The Bleed Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back into another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're joined by the founder of 610 Football and resident Philadelphia Eagles fan, Darren Healy. Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you, KJ. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I needed to have you on after the Patriots just played the Eagles. We planned it for a, a little bit, and I wanted your thoughts from, uh, obviously, another perspective, the outside perspective about how the Patriots were looking. Obviously, a very important preseason for them. Didn't expect it to, to go the way it did last night, uh, but obviously still preseason, so not going to get too excited about it or anything like that. But the biggest focus for the Patriots this preseason throughout training camp, pretty much throughout the entire offseason, has been the quarterback battle, so to speak, between Mac Jones and Cam Newton. And last night, to me, was a pretty bad night if you were Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I think they both played well. And I think I've mentioned to you this before, but I thought there's no, there, there's just no competition for this year. I think Cam Newton has the job regardless. But they both played pretty well. Mac Jones was accurate. He, he was able to show off his deep arm. He almost had a great pass to kill Harry, but Harry ended up dropping it. This was probably a really good showing of what Jones has that has in store. But Cam Newton also played extremely well. He was accurate. He was really zipping the ball in there, and that's the best he's looked out on the Patriots so far. Now, granted, it is still preseason, but I still think he maybe has one more year left in the tank. Yeah, and I, I know that there was some like talk after the game. Newton was chirping back at one of the Eagles defenders, calling him the checkdown king. And uh, I, you know, Newton had some throws downfield. He had one to Bourne uh, on one of those first drives that was uh, that picked up a, a chunky yardage, and then. Um, the Jacoby Myers pass was more of a more of a drag route that, that Myers ultimately took in, but Newton had some. I still thought some really good throws in that game. I thought the Bourne one was really really nice. And I I say a bad day for Mac Jones. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean you know Mac, I thought Mac Jones was bad. I don't think he was bad. I th- I just think that New- the the Patriots seemed to split the reps exactly how you would assume they would split the reps if Newton was the starter. They treated Newton like the starter. And if they have that mindset right now that they feel like Cam Newton is going to be their starting quarterback and they're preparing that way, Cam Newton didn't do anything last night that would dissuade them of that illusion or that that judgment. He was almost perfect last night. He was exactly what I think they would have hoped he would have been. So if if people were hoping that Mac Jones was going to end up stealing that job, I don't know how you can come away from last night and think that Newton in any way uh, lost it for himself because he didn't. And that's in spite of anything Mac Jones could have or would have done. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Neither of them played bad, but that's that's an issue for Mac Jones because if you want to win the starting job, you either have to play 
so good that you just blow your coaches out of the water, or you just have to hope for Cam Newton to basically forget how to play football. But both Cam Newton and Mac Jones played good la- uh, last night, so it's not looking jo- good for Jones. But it's not like it's not looking good in a bad way, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you kind of like Jones coming into the draft, but I was surprised to hear you say throughout the process that of all the jobs in the league that you felt like this was the least likely to go to a rookie. I mean, so, so to speak. I think I, 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 I may be speaking out of something, at least from the standpoint of it being, you know, one of these first-round pick rookies. Yeah, no, I really do like Jones. I do think he got a little bit of heat. I personally was on the bandwagon of him going to San Francisco. I think that was a perfect match for him scheme and system-wise. But even then, I still feel like he, he should need, like, a year or two to develop. And especially New England. They they have had previous systems where you, they had, you have a more of a pocket passer. You had that for, whatever, 19, 20 years with Tom Brady. That system fits Mac Jones, more, Mac Jones more. But with last year, they changed the system to fit Cam Newton. And now that it looks like he's getting better, why bother changing the system again? If that makes sense. Plus, we're, I know you want to talk about the running backs, but with the running backs the Patriots have, plus the mobility of Cam Newton, that offense has potential to be top 10. But it's not that I don't think Mac Jones is bad. I've always thought he needed like a year or two of development. But with just how the Patriots system is already looking with Cam Newton plus all the running backs, I don't see why you would change it. Yeah, and I, I would obviously prefer Mac Jones after seeing Cam Newton last season. I, I, I just... I really question whether, even if, and Newton looked good last night, I just question even if that can be taken at face value and said that that's a a legitimate thing that the the Patriots rather should play into and say, you know, this is is something that we think is a sign of things to come in this regular season. I don't necessarily think that you should always do that with the preseason, but... Even if you're gonna you're gonna go that way, I, I just don't think that Newton's been able to show the consistency that I would I would rely on him to keep that up. I mean, you know, he had a great game against the Seahawks in week two, and then we, we never saw that Cam Newton again for the rest of the season. So uh, I, that concerns me. But I will say that they've kind of built the team in such a way that it feels like they've tried to build it to Newton's strengths. Like you look at that 15 and one season for uh, the Panthers. And they've they built it on with a strong running back group, which the Panthers had with uh, I think they saw D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart back then. And they had the tight end with Greg Olson. They have the Patriots have Hunter Henry and John New Smith, so they built a nice tight end group for Newton to throw to. Nelson Aguilar is your your Ted Ginn Jr. And you go from there. And that seems like in, in certain ways they've tried to shape this roster to be the best it can be specifically for Cam Newton. And not only that, but the Panthers also had an extremely strong defense that year, which gets overlooked so much. The Patriots had a top 10 defense last year, which nobody seems to talk about. And the defense looked fantastic last night, and it only got better throughout the offseason. So I think you're exactly right. They are building this around Cam Newton. His arm isn't where it used to be, and he was making more medium-length passes, but he still has talent with his legs, and you have so much depth at running back. And Cam Newton also adds to the running game since he is a threat with his legs. So I think you are absolutely right. They are. It does seem like they are building it around Cam Newton, and it does look like they are leaning towards Cam Newton to be the starter. That that still does scare me because I still don't know if Cam Newton. I, I honestly I would be more in favor of like a dual quarterback system at times, and I wonder if they'll try that out. But I, 
I mean, really, if with Cam Newton in his current state, how good can he even be at his best at his age with the way his athleticism has deteriorated? Like, can can he really be a quarterback that's even reaching close to the top 15 in the league anymore? I think if everything goes right, he would he could probably reach top 15. But you really don't need him to pass that much. You have really good running backs. Also, you have a couple guys who are good when you get the ball in their hands. Nelson Aguilar, even though he, I consider him more of a deep threat, if you get the ball in his hands, he's polarizing. Kendrick Bourne is more of a yards-after-catch kind of guy. So you don't really have to re- rely on the deep ball as much when you have those running backs and those two guys at wide receiver. Plus, you also have possession tight ends in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. So you can just throw the ball up to them, and trust that they will come down with it. Yeah, and I think the more that I, I think about it and, and look at what the what you need in an NFL uh, to be, at least be a playoff team, you know, a Super Bowl team might be a different consideration, but I guess you, you look at some of the teams last year that, that made the playoffs, and, you know, I, I don't want to play up the Washington football team too much because obviously that's an outlier. Their record, they, they shouldn't have made the playoffs with their record, but there's some other teams like the Bears and the Colts, and, you know, was Phillip Rivers a top-10 quarterback last year? No, it, and, you know, the, the, the Bears certainly didn't have a top-10 quarterback last year. So I suppose you can do it that way. It's just it's very, very difficult. I mean, the Bears have one of the best defenders that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and Khalil Mack, who's just a menace and ridiculously incredible. And, the, you know, their defense uh, was, was a huge reason why they were able to do that. And, you know, the Colts had a, one of the best running games in the league. They, I mean, I know that, you know, Mack went down and that was unfortunate, but they, their running back group can stand up with anybody's. And, and I know we're going to talk about the Patriots running back group in a second. But in the NFL, it just it, it seems like the perception is always you're nothing if you don't have the quarterback. But I suppose a few of those teams can always squeak through the cracks every year. It's just a matter of whether or not the Patriots can be one of those teams. Yeah, no. If you, The Patriots have an extremely good defense. They went 7-9, and nine, and that, the only reason was because their offense was like 27th in the league, I want to say. If Cam Newton can just play 50, no, not even 50%, maybe like 30 to 45% better than he did last year, I think the Patriots make the playoffs. Now, there are obviously other factors that go into that, you know, injuries and all that stuff, plus scheduling. I just think team-wise, if Cam Newton can play 30 to 40% better than he did last year, then the Patriots can slip into the playoffs because you can get into the playoffs with an extremely strong defense. That has happened a lot of times before. The Patriots still have an extremely strong defense. Bill Belichick is one of the, if not the, best defensive-minded coach of all time. So I don't think Cam Newton's too big of a concern. You just have to use him correctly and rely on the defense. Yeah, and, and I another thing that people have talked about is the schedule is much easier this year um, for the Patriots, so that's going to be helpful too. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if the things end up going their way in, in that direction and how they decide to manage that quarterback position. But we, we I do want to talk about some other things from that game. Uh, one of the one of the big notes was Nikhil Harry, and, and we talked about Mac Jones a little bit. And his deep ball has looked pretty good this preseason, uh, a lot better than than I, I thought it was going to with the weapons he was going to have. And um, unfortunately, he hasn't just he hasn't completed a lot of them. I mean, he he overthrew Gunnar Olszewski by about a yard in the first game, and then last night uh, he hits Nikhil Harry on on a, on a deep route. Then Harry drops, and ultimately Harry goes down. He injures. He leaves the game, and uh, one of the reporters from the Philadelphia Inquirer tweets out. Uh, after the game that uh, Nikhil Harry's in a sling and he tweets out the picture of Harry leaving in a sling and you you know it was even we, we talked about it this week when we're getting these reports out of uh, Eagles training camp Patriots Eagles joint practices that 
you know, Harry's looking good and he's doing this and that. And that's been the story for the Patriots all, you know, all, all uh, preseason pretty much in training camp that Nikhil Harry looks good. Conveniently so as they as they try to seek a trade partner for him. And now last night he comes out and he made the, the one catch, I think it was on third down, Mac Jones hit him. Uh, over the middle on, on third down that and it was about for about 20 yards and you know it was a, it was a decent uh, a decent route Harry got open and a good throw by Mac Jones but that was pretty much all Harry did didn't have another catch on the night uh, it was 19 yards and then uh, that deep route obviously has to uh, he has to exit the game on that and you know we've already heard Kedrick Bourne came out and say you know come, come out and say that that he it seems like the Patriots are trending in the direction of having Aguilar Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne be the top three receivers heading into week one. So there's there's really no place for Harry anymore, and he's not showing it in games. Like, he might be showing it in practice, if that's even true. So I don't really know what's left for Harry at this point on the Patriots. I, I don't even understand how they could possibly find a trade partner for him right now, considering how, much his, how low I feel like his value is. Yeah, no, whenever somebody... So I'm in, I'm in this group chat with a couple of my friends, and whenever they're just like talking about like people making great plays in practice, I just always send them an Allen Iverson gif, saying we talking about practice. Like it's so it's so impossible to simulate game situations in practice. L- practice really isn't relevant to how it, to when it shows how good a player is. But Nikhil Harry. He just needs a change of scenery, and we've seen that happen before with a couple of guys. They just, even if they've not done good at the beginning of the at their career, or if it was towards the end, I think Nelson Aguilar is a great example. He was bad his first two years, then he became one of the best slot receivers in the league, and then he was just absolutely garbage in 2019. He needed a change of scenery. He went to Las Vegas, had nearly 900 yards and six touchdowns, and now he he got a great contract to Patriots and is potentially their wide receiver one. I think Nikhil Harry just needs that change of scenery. Well, I, I mean, so last season, Harry came out uh, actually really well, came out of the gates really well, had the five catches against uh, Miami in week one, and then week two was his, his the best game he's had in his career, eight catches, 72 yards against the Seahawks. Um, one of the you know high points of the Patriots season, even though they lost. Um, so it, it, I mean, it felt like things were starting to trend in the right direction at the beginning of last season, and then from that point on, he only had I think one more game with more than three receptions for the rest of the year. So it it just went in the tank, and it seemed like him and Newton were building a good rapport. And it seems like they still, to some extent, have a decent enough relationship. I just I don't know if Harry to me, would be in that category of a guy that, that could succeed elsewhere. You know, I, I hope he can. I hope he can get his career back on track. But, you know, when you look at his production in the first two seasons, it's just nowhere close to to even what you would expect at the lowest level from a first-round pick. Uh, it's, you know, it, and Harry was a guy a lot of people thought was the best receiver in that draft. It wasn't just the Patriots. And this has been, I think, kind of a revisionist history thing going back from from some people looking at this draft and seeing all the great receivers that were taken over Harry. And don't get me wrong, the Patriots deserve criticism for taking the wrong one if, if that's the way we're going to look at it. But it wasn't just them that thought Harry was this good. Harry was widely regarded as one of, if not the best receiver in that draft class. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. I just, when when you see just how bad his production has been, I don't, I, I have very little confidence that that can take a significant jump with another team around the league. I, I don't, and I feel like other teams around the league have to feel that way as well. You're right. His production is not where you want it to be for a first-round pick, not even how people would project like a floor to be. It's just not been good at all. 
Injuries also have gone into that. He's missed a fair bit of games over his first two years. You never know. It's just changes of scenery really do help NFL players. And I think this could be the case with Nikhil Harry. Worst comes to worst. I mean, he's a backup receiver on the Patriots. It's, I mean, that's not an awful thing for the Patriots to have. I mean, it's definitely not what Nikhil Harry wants. But if you're a Patriots fan, it's not like it's, it's not like it's like, oh no, we have Nikhil Harry as a backup. It's like no, Nikhil Harry definitely has a lot of talent. I, even then, I feel like that even seems fruitless at this point. Uh, you know, so if their their goal is to trade him, which that's apparently what Harry wants. It, I seem, I feel like a breakup is best for both sides at this point. Yeah. Um, when you look at the teams across the league that potentially could need a receiver, even, you know, like whether you want to say it's the Lions or the Saints or something like this, if the Michael Thomas thing doesn't get resolved, uh, these teams that, that are desperately in need of a receiver, I don't know that any of them, like if I was any of these teams, Nikhil Harry's not the guy I'm targeting. Like I'm not giving up draft capital to get Nikhil Harry. I don't even know. I said this on Twitter last night. At this point, if I'm another team and I'm looking at Nikhil Harry, who's walking out in a sling after dropping another pass that was that was thrown almost perfectly by Mac Jones and looking very underwhelming in the first two preseason games. I don't even know that I want to give up like a conditional seventh round pick for Nikhil Harry at this point. Like I feel like it's gotten to that dire of a state with him. And if you're the Patriots, I, I, do you just cut him at this point? Like I, I don't know what other options they have. Yeah, no, uh, you do make a point. Teams may not trade for him because they know he's going. To, they probably know that he's going to get cut eventually. So why give up? You know, even if it's just a seventh round pick, why give up a seventh round pick when you can get him for free? It would be tough to cut a player just you know two years or three years after drafting him in the first round. But I I, I really don't know what other options they they have at this point. I, you know, I, I think that. Even if you want to argue that you could keep him on the roster, you could, you know, place him on IR. Like, what's the point of that? Do you really think Nikhil Harry is going to contribute next season, or he's going to his trade value is going to be higher next season because it's not? It, you know, it. So you just kind of have to move on to me. You just have to cut your losses and and go from there. And it's really unfortunate. And I know we're, we're going to talk about this guy in a second too, um, in relation to the running backs. Who and you know, Sony Michelle looked good last night, but and I'll I'll discuss what you think of of his prospects of staying on the team too. But to have pretty much back-to-back years where you try to take an offensive skill player in the first round, I don't think they could have a situation where they, they whiffed any bigger than they did uh, collectively with those two players. I, I feel like there's a maybe even better than 50-50 chance that neither of those two players are on the team come week one. Let me let me ask you this question. Who will be off their respective team first? Nikhil Harry or JJ Ortega-Whiteside? That's a good one because Ortega-Whiteside, believe it or not, was actually someone that I, I actually thought was going to be a player that the Patriots could have targeted. And it's, it's funny, the Eagles and Patriots kind of both uh, were, the, were the two teams that in that great receiver class of 2019 both whiffed there. But Ortega-Whiteside was another one that seemed like the Patriots type of receiver, you know, very buttoned up, uh, Seemed like I think he didn't he come from a military family or something like that. So I thought I thought that was gonna play into that as well. But um, yeah, so I don't know. It'll, it's definitely gonna be a race there to see who who's which team's gonna be willing to cut bait first. But we'll we'll move on to the running backs a little bit for the Patriots because that's that's the other big story I think from last night. When you look at their their running back group, they they played all of the guys played fantastic, and their, their running back group really is one of the best in the league. It was really good and deep last season. They bring in uh, J.J. Taylor, who I know impressed a lot of people uh, last year. And last night, he was the talk of pretty much the second half. <laughs> you know, that was the big the big storyline. J.J. Taylor made it. He made a great spin move on the goal line, scored a few plays later, uh, averaged 7.8 yards a rush, which uh, no, I know it seemed like the Patriots were 
running all over the Eagles at times, but nobody else on the Patriots averaged over five yards a rush. J.J. Taylor was the only one at, at 7.8. So he was fantastic in that game. Uh, and there were a number of the players that showed out too. Ramondre St- uh, Stevenson, especially on the goal line, he had two touchdowns. He now has four in the two preseason games. So it seems like he's making a strong case to be their goal line back. Damian Harris didn't have a great night, did score uh, the touchdown, and uh, had was you know obviously easily punched in on that first drive after the fumble from the Eagles. And Sony Michelle had his moments too. He had a nice juke move, I thought, on the Eagles, slipped out of a tackle, and had a couple of nice plays. And he, you know, caught four passes on the night too. So he was he he had himself a decent game, but I feel like when you look at this group, there's so many players on here that I, you know, and they and Brandon Bolden I didn't mention, but they're enamored with Brandon Bolden. They want him to play special teams for them. They think he's a leader. So fine, you know, maybe he he has a spot on the team just because. But you know, you talk about not only him, James White, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. And to me, it's like those guys are all have to be, maybe not Brandon Bolden, who knows what they're going to do with him, but at least Stevenson, Harris, and White have to be locks on the team. To me, they have to cut one of Michelle and Taylor. And at this point, I don't, I, despite Michelle's game last night, and like I said, he was good last night. I don't know what you thought. I thought he looked pretty decent last night. It was one of his best showings, I think, in, in some time, preseason or not. So with that said, I. I honestly don't know how you can pick Michelle over J.J. Taylor. I think J.J. Taylor has shown much more over the last two years, and particularly that game last night was really, really special. Honestly, if you're asking me, I think James White is the one who ends up getting cut. Sony Michelle had back-to-back... So so hold on. Let me me cut you off really quickly because I've heard this, but not just from you. Other people have said this too, but they just re-signed him this offseason. They just signed him to a new contract. So I've heard people say that, but... I mean, I guess it was only one year, so maybe it, it wouldn't be too difficult to cut him. But I, I feel like, he, he, you know, he, there was this whole thing of, you know, him him pay, almost being recruited to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady wanting him and all this stuff. And then, like, him saying, you know what, I'll come back to New England because this is where, you know, this is my home. And, and I, I understand, like, Bill Belichick might have a thing of, like, you know, being kind of heartless and whatever like that. I just... I, I don't understand after resigning this offseason, cutting him just a few months later when he had the opportunity to go to Tampa. And maybe that opportunity will be built to him if he's cut. I just think that I, I, I would be so surprised. I, I don't know how it would make any sense at this point to cut James White. But, I, you know, if you, if you believe that much in Sony Michelle, I guess, I, you know, it, it might be better. I mean, you're probably going to move on from White at the end of the year anyway. I mean, is that the thinking there? Well, so Michelle had back-to-back 900 900- yard seasons his first two years in the league and then he was injured last year but even then he was I think he averaged over five yards a carry last year which is extremely good he had he had 5.7 yards per attempt last year do you know how insane that is That's pretty good but as you said it was uh, limited action he wasn't out there a lot I mean he was dealing with it, it was became very frustrating very quickly for a lot of Patriots fans to especially because you know you say he had the back 900 yard seasons and that was good but it still felt like it felt like you were still expecting more from Sony Michelle throughout the majority of the year. Like, you know, he he came off that his it, rookie season and, you know, he had the great postseason where he I think he set the record for most rushing touchdowns in a postseason by a rookie running back. And he came out and it, the the fact is a lot of people have been disappointed by his contributions in the passing game. He, you know, only, he only has what uh, 26 career receptions in in his uh, his short time in the NFL's three seasons. And he, when he came out of Georgia, he people were comparing him to Alvin Kamara, and he does not look like Alvin Kamara. He's been 
closer to a power back than a finesse back. And it just feels like a, a lot of what his production over his career has been thanks to a Patriots offensive line that's been fairly good through his, his entire time there. And you just would like to see him make a few more plays that you would consider to be high skill level. He never really has put dis on display any sort of elusiveness or ability to make defenders miss. It seems like he's he's just always fallen short of that. He's never making those breakaway runs that you've seen from, even in the preseason so far, guys like Ramondre Stevenson. He's not breaking through tackles like you've seen Damian Harris do. So on, on the surface, I, like the 5.7 yards of carry looked good, but I don't think any Patriots fans uh, felt like they saw those 5.7 yards per carry manifest itself on the field last year. It felt like it, it was the exact opposite at times. Well, let me put it like this. I think Ross Tucker said this the best in the Eagles broadcast. They just always seem to have three or four good running backs on the roster. They never really need to rely on one guy to be that workhorse, that workhorse kind of back. So you don't need them to be like the superstar running back when you have other guys behind them who do good jobs. And that's that's the one thing about the Patriots. They just always have good depth everywhere. It seems like someone gets, it gets injured. You put someone else in, they do perfectly fine. You don't. The only reason why I can see them keeping White is just so they can have a veteran on that roster because if you cut White, then Michelle is the leader of that running back group just because he's had three years in the league already. And I understand like he hasn't really lived up to a running back one potential, but at the same time, it's like he hasn't had to because New England doesn't rely on just one running back. They normally do use their full room of running backs for the run game. Well, the problem with cutting James White is that that would eliminate your best pass catching back and maybe only pass catching back from the the lineup like I, you know none of the other guys that you'd have on the roster have shown it consistently so you know can Damian Harris do it I can Michelle do it I you know I don't know and and maybe you know part of the argument there would be well let's find out let's cut James White but you're you're potentially leaving yourself you know up Schitt's Creek without a paddle a little bit if you cut ties with James White and then all of a sudden you're you know looking for a player that can uh, you know, help you on be a third down back or something like that, and you don't have one. So I, I, I think that's a little bit too risky for me. And, and um, you know, on Michelle last season, his yards per carry, I went and looked it up because, like I said, it really did not feel like he was that type of player last year when he was, even when he was on the field. He missed those games because of a quad injury when he, he was placed on into reserve in the middle of the season. So the reason his yards per carry were so high is because he had one game against uh, the, the Raiders in week three where he averaged 13 yards per carry in that game. He had nine rushes for 117 yards. The Patriots won 36 to 20. Uh, it was, you know, they, they, they walked to a win. So uh, it was very easy and uh, to run through that Raiders defense at that time. And Michelle had no problem doing that. But but look at the games late in the year. He averaged 7.4 yards per carry against Miami. He averaged 6.9 yards per carry against Buffalo. 4.7 right. so, yards per carry against the Jets. I mean, it's the Jets, but still. But I, I would point out that in those games, and I think part of the reason people felt like, hey, this is this is hollow, this doesn't mean anything, the Miami game they lost 22-12, to 12, which not you know not, not an egregious loss, and you know, certainly didn't get blown out of the water. Uh, but you know, not it didn't really impact the game. Michelle didn't really impact, uh, you know, help help them get to a win at all or anything like that or close to it. So I think that's why that felt hollow. And you want to talk about the Bills' numbers feeling hollow? I think the Bills were probably very content with them running the ball in that game, being uh, end up losing thirty-eight to nine. So I feel like if you want to talk about garbage time runs, I I don't I I can't remember or recall exactly when those runs came, 
but I know that it couldn't have been at a time where the Patriots really needed it in a crucial spot considering uh, the, the way that game trended. So I think that a lot of the, those yards can be seen as as garbage yards and ones that weren't really, uh, you know, maybe the, the Bills were uh, playing a little bit soft defensively at that point. So I think that uh, overall, I still can't say I was impressed with Michelle in, in any respect last season. And I feel like the... If, if I was to make the cut, I still would make it Sony Michelle. I just, I, I don't think that, uh, when I look at all the other running backs on the roster, I, I, I know it's just preseason, but that spin move J.J. Taylor made last night could work against a lot of defenders in the NFL. So, I you know, I, I have confidence in him. He always runs hard. He has this, this quality about him that you see that you, you just, I, I would love to keep him on the team. And I think if they, if they cut any of these guys, one of them is going to be picked up right away. I mean, this is a deep running back group. and I'm sure that any team in the NFL would like to have one of these guys on the roster that, you know, don't have running back rooms that are necessarily high-end right now. And I, you know, I would hope that the Patriots are able to work out a trade with one of these guys and maybe ship one of these guys out for something in return, maybe a receiver, something along those lines. But, you know, I, I think that if I have to pick one that I'm like, I need to get rid of one of these guys, who's it going to be? James White's my pass catching, catching back, as you mentioned, and the veteran in the room, none of these other guys have much experience in the NFL, so I feel like you you really need that veteran presence in the running back room. And, you know, maybe they could keep all of these guys. I don't know. It'd be a lot of running backs to keep on your roster. People have made this argument before, like, well, why don't they just keep all of them? Personally, I think, like, once you get to four running backs, if you start going to five and six, especially for, like, Brandon Bolden and the likes of those guys, like, I, I personally, I think you need to... Uh, use those those roster spots elsewhere I don't think you need that many running backs but it, it you know so I, I would like to you know at least have this conversation about who I think that is the odd man out here I think JJ Taylor has a lot of promise as a young guy Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson have the most promise and kind of are, are those young guys you're relying on to be your future running back so I think that those guys are, are locks for the roster and I just I want James White still on the roster as I said veteran presence so to me it does come down to those two guys, and it, it might be a, a, a little bit on the controversial, crazy side to say that, yes, I want the, the J.J. Taylor, who, you know, is I, I think he was undrafted, you know, practice squad last year, didn't play much, but even last season, he, it, you know, early on, he, he showed a lot, and, uh, you know, I, it was he had 4.8 yards of carry, which I know is less than Michelle, but that's pretty good for a rookie, and, and you know, what he... Uh, what what he along with what he showed in the preseason so I know it might be a little bit crazy to say that's what I want over this guy that was taken in the first round but at this point it's similar to Harry I guess to a lesser extent because Michelle hasn't been so horrible that I'm I'm just ready to move on and, and see what else they have in these younger players I well I actually do think there is a chance that they could keep all four or all or all five excuse me I think worst comes to worst I think JJ Taylor Gets signed to the practice squad. I'm 99% sure he's still practice squad eligible. But there's an extra game this year. You're going to need that depth. Plus, also, just with Corona, you don't know who's going to catch it when. I don't think it, I actually don't think it would be an awful idea to keep all five of these guys. But you don't think another NFL team would want to pick him up, though, and put him on their active roster? Because I, I really feel like if I feel, really feel like any team should. I mean, like I said, a, a running back needy team out there with what he's shown so far over the, his first two years. I would absolutely, I would pick him up in a heartbeat if I was one of these teams out there. I don't know, I mean... So like a few of the teams that I'm looking at now is like, and especially, I, I immediately thought of this, the Miami Dolphins as, as one of these teams that, you know, it makes sense. You have the Flores connection, obviously, 
has been in the Patriots, you know, uh, organization and a similar kind of mindset would like has p- picked up former Patriots in the past. So I would absolutely assume him he would jump on him. And then the Jets in your division who have a weak running back room, like, and, and that's the the bigger concern to me is even as I was thinking about it before when I was saying if I have to cut one of these guys and then I immediately reversed course and said I would like to trade one of them because I I feel like I know if you if you end up cutting one of these running backs that it's it's going to be the Jets or the Dolphins that are likely going to pick them up. Those are the two teams that I would be immediately concerned with. And look, am I, you know, going to say, oh, no, you know, y- your season's over because the, the Dolphins got J.J. Taylor? Like, no, but I, I think that it's still something you'd prefer not to happen. So, I, you know, I think that Sonny Michel going to the Dolphins, like, I think that there's a potential he could be the Dolphins' number one running back if, if things broke right because he's proven that he can do that at times in New England over his career. And if he's fully healthy and he's ready for a bounce-back year, that could happen. I suppose that couldn't happen with J.J. Taylor, which I guess, you know, hey, maybe that's an argument for holding on to Michelle rather than Taylor. But uh, I, I think that kind of just emphasizes the need to find a trade partner at the end of the preseason for one of these guys. I hate the idea of just letting them walk for nothing, uh, especially if it's to a division rival. Yeah, I mean, who, 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 the, who the Dolphins have a running back? Miles Gaskin, you said? Yeah, Miles Gaskin and, and Malcolm Brown are their top top backs right now, according to this step chart. I mean, not the best options there. And then, you know, with a guy like Tua, who you are still a little iffy about, I'm definitely still iffy about him, but who you are fairly iffy about, it would be nice to have a solid run game there. I mean, it, it, it this is a tough decision to make. And... I think best case for a Patriots fan is that J.J. Taylor just goes on the practice squad because you do have that 17-game season that is going to be tough. You maybe rest your, you rest your uh, one of your main guys one of those days so just they can stay fresh because I do think this is a playoff team and you don't want to work them too hard before the playoffs. All right, Darren, we wanted to keep it mostly Patriots, but I'll give you uh, you know a minute, 30 seconds, however much you want here at the end. If you Do you want to get anything about the Eagles off your chest before you, you get out of here? About I mean, the game? it's preseason game, so I don't take it too much in depth. The it's not the scoreboard. The score doesn't matter. It's more so how the receivers play. I think Joe Flacco playing bad last night only helps Jalen Hurts' case for him to be the starter. It was just underwhelming. Even with the receiver, like they had the first string receivers in for the entire first half, but even then, Rager only had one catch for five yards. Smith had two catches for 19 yards. Watkins had one target with no catches, and you know the fact that Quez Watkins. I understand he's having a great practice, but once or great training camp, but once again, it's training camp. Uh, I think the fact that Quez Watkins being a starter, based off of him making a good play on a screen pass, you know he 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 outran the entire Steelers defense, which was a good play, but it was a screen pass. I don't. It's. I, don't, I feel like people do still over overrate him way too much. Yeah, this is basically exactly how I expect the Eagles to play in the regular season, and I hope they do play like this in the regular season because uh, I would like that draft pick a lot. <laughs> I also think, you know, th- there was almost a play last night, which I, I wasn't even going to bring up, but uh, the Patriots got called for a holding penalty at one point on w- one point where Mac Jones was scrambling back, and he was able to step up ultimately because of the hold and uh, and avoid basically what would have been a real rookie moment for him, which was oh, him just yeah, running yeah. backwards trying to escape the rush, and that that was uh, he. I think it was Justin Heron that got called for the hold or something like that. Mac Jones owes him like a you know take him out to dinner or something like that one of these days because if if it wasn't for that holding penalty, he would have been the one that was looking pretty foolish on that play. But uh, 
that's that's all I pretty much think we have. Darren, thank you for joining us, guys. Go check out 610 Football on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter. Especially go subscribe to Darren's YouTube channel. Um, and Darren, thank you once again for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you, KJ. I do want to leave you with this. Nick Mullins has recorded two of, like, the eight worst Eagles preseason passer ratings in the past two games. Two of the worst of all time? Is what Since you're 2000. Since 2000. Oh, my. He a oh, wow. 16.7 passer rating against the Patriots last night, and then a zero passer rating against the Steelers last week. <laughs> well, that, uh, maybe not the, the best. And that's a guy, by the way, that some people wanted as the Patriots quarterback at a certain point once upon a time. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe not the best uh, idea, but... Uh, anyway, thank you once again, Darren, for coming on. Go follow 610Football, guys. You can follow me on Twitter, at BackAJDoy. You can follow the pod on Twitter, at Smart Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.